Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Flinchball, host of People Solve Problems, and uh, welcoming you to a, another episode of our podcast. I'm here with Pam Klein. Pam, welcome. Thank you very much, Jamie. Appreciate it. Yeah, really glad to have you. Um, she's a, a executive VP of Corporate Relations and Sustainability for Whirlpool, um, and uh, yeah, I've known her for a while. I worked with her more recently. Uh, she spent her entire career at Whirlpool, had the opportunity sort of half your time in the engineering side, half the time on the business side. So lots of breadth and two years leading products and brands in EMEA, uh, which has got to be a really interesting experience. Leverages her background in engineering and business to drive a holistic approach to, to problem solving based on asking the right questions at the right time. Uh, and I I know her as a, a learner mindset um, and uh, brings that to all of the work uh, that she does, which is just uh, always refreshing and uh, and engaging. So glad to have you here to talk about problem solving. Um, so your role, you have a lot of different functions underneath you. You have a lot of breadth and, and uh, uh, your work in the executive team. So you have a lot of roles, a lot of topics. How do you think about your role in problem solving? What what do you own, delegate, et cetera? How do you how do you decide what you should what you should play? So if it's something that I'm helping a, a a team member with, one of my direct reports, for example, I think about how much experience do they have with this topic or with a similar situation? How much experience do I have with a topic or a similar situation? Kind of assess where can I lean in? Where should I lean in? And where where should I just give them autonomy and provide support and, and break down barriers as much as possible? I like to let people own their space and, and go after it because you learn so much as an individual. But if it's something I've been through before and it's a, a high risk or a high profile situation, maybe I, I lean in a little bit more and provide a little more day-to-day -day support or whatever it takes so they can learn from the first iteration. And then the next time they encounter something, they can manage it on their own. So just try to assess, are they better off learning by seeing or doing? What's the risk of that? But as much as possible, letting them own it, maybe giving a couple thoughts from whatever experience I happen to have, but trying not to, to project everything I would think onto them. Yeah, I, I love that. And and so, you know, sort of a mini algorithm of your experience, their experience, and the relative risk is a big deal. I, I always like to say when you're in a burning building, you don't start asking coaching questions, right? You right. you grab them by the arm and pull them out. And so uh, being thoughtful about that um, is, a, is a big deal. So, so it, that, that's a great tie-in and thinking about your capabilities, their capabilities, knowledge, experience. How do you how do you assess that um, uh, in in kind of both yourself, but also them? Uh, you know, how do you look at that assessment and just and and make that determination from a capability standpoint? You know, I think about not only their their experiences, but their background in general. So I'm an engineer through and through. So that was my education, as you mentioned. That's half of where I've spent my time here at Whirlpool Corporation. So I have a problem solving mindset and I have a certain approach to that with the breadth of my accountabilities now leading global communications, government relations, sustainability, 
there's a variety, our business travel center, there's a variety of skill sets and capabilities and backgrounds. So there's very technical people and there's people who don't have a technical background and us coming together to understand, you know, a best solution. There's a lot of complementary capabilities there, but me recognizing kind of what, again, not only their experiences, but kind of their, their approach to learning and how much they're able to come up to speed on something, their capabilities there, but their approach to problem solving and people with more creative mindsets, maybe open things up before they start to solve them. And if we don't have time to do that, I'll lean in a little bit more and say, Hey, this is a space where we need to simplify, get to the answer and move on other spaces. I can learn from them, let it open up a little bit, understand spaces. I haven't worked in depth before and and we can go through the process a little more slowly. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And so, you know, it's, it's, people can only absorb so much at a time. So if you give them too much room to learn, they may not pick up. And so that, that assessment of how, how ready they are uh, for that is, is, is a big deal. Sort of, sort of a forward momentum at different speeds um, for everybody is, is a, a great, great perspective. So, so you mentioned all those different all those different functions, right? Lots of different uh, uh, profiles of risk, of sort of strategic problems versus small execution problems. Um, you know, so how do you balance you know speed with sort of the thoroughness and rigor, you know, for yourself or others? Like I know your your background in engineering and products. Well, you know, a product challenge is like, well, thoroughness and risk is a really big deal, but not everything fits that mold. So how do you, how do you think about speed versus rigor uh, and, and thoroughness? You know, I'm a big fan of the 80-20 rule, honestly, even on the product side, engineers, God bless us, we can have analysis paralysis, right? And look for every last detail of everything. And I like to move things forward, get the data, understand enough of the root cause or whatever the situation is, move forward, test that hypothesis, move forward, move forward. And it obviously takes different forms across these very various areas of the business, but there has to be sufficient thoroughness. There has to be sufficient data gathered. It can't all be gut instinct. There are some things where I trust my gut instinct 98.9% because I've been through a situation so many times. There's other things where that can get me so far, but I've got to have the data. I've got to understand it. And I always expect people to gather sufficient data. We know that happens in various forms. So I want to make sure people are curious enough. They're asking the right questions. They have a a problem-solving mindset to it. Um, and then they're they're approaching it with a sense of urgency. And if I have to give a nudge, I have to give a nudge. But We've got to be moving forward toward actually getting to an answer versus just continuing to open up the the scope of analysis if I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. So you can, you know, you can continue to open up deep, bigger and bigger, deeper and deeper, be curious forever. Um, and and you may still not get to the the right answer, right? But right. but that that forward momentum again becomes a you know a, a key part of it. Yeah. And what I like to do for myself and with others is say, what problem are we trying to solve? Like keep reminding ourselves. And that applies to 
a new feature for a consumer or something we're looking at. And it also applies to a day-to-day situation. And we can all kind of deviate and end up solved this, but we actually needed to solve that. And so that's a question I ask myself and, and my team members a lot. Uh, it's a it's a core question. It's one I use a lot. Um, I actually had somebody that I know well and, and uh, use it to me uh, just yesterday. And I was just throwing out an idea for them. And they said, well, what problem would that solve? I'm like, I don't know. It's just an idea, but good catch. Right. So so that's 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 really good. So so I so I, I love, you know, again, engineering mindset and the, and and the rigor and the depth, but don't get hung up there. You also mentioned your 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 instinct, your intuition, your experience. I wrote a you know a whole chapter which uh, on on integrating your intuition into problem solving. I think it's an overlooked aspect, um, you know, and and so people think it's a choice between intuition and problem solving, and 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 I think it's really about the integration of them. And so again, you have a lot of uh, a lot of different experiences and depth and breadth of experience which means there's a lot of a lot of experience uh, and and information that can inform that problem solving and your intuition so when it is time to 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 leverage that how, how do you tap into it enable it um uh, you know again for yourself or for others how how do you pull in intuition into that whole process if I'm working with others on something, I try and find examples that are similar from my past. I'll say this reminds me of when we had to do X or we approached this problem. There are sh- a shocking number of parallels of things I've dealt with in my background, even my most recent role of, of leading a portion of our product development organization that apply here. And so I'll, you know, whether it be a process approach around prioritization of activities or, or multiple other examples so I'll try and use that. So it, it, I think there's a danger if you're using your experience of coming off as this is how we've always done things. Okay, it's not about that. Here's an approach I've seen be successful. Here's why I'm so confident we can go do this because this was my experience. And it also, I think, helps gut check a little bit if somebody says, actually, I don't see how that applies so that I'm not blinded by my experience and just saying, nope, so we're going to do it and move on. But sharing examples and stories, I think, helps build credibility to the approach. It builds followership rather than me just saying, all right, here's what we're going to do. Trust me, right? I want to bring them along. I want to be teaching with the right level of urgency, as I've said, you know, a couple of times. But I think it's really important to to share past examples and even ask them, hey, don't you have a similar situation? Have you experienced anything and again, that helps build their confidence in approaching this problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's really what we're doing every time we tap into intuition and experience. And, and so just making it explicit, making it, you know, uh, out there uh, helps helps make it a little more natural versus just, you know, trust me, I've dealt with this before. So, yeah, and, and, and allows allows you, as you kind of said, to stress test the experiences. Do they, do they, do they match, right? Or is there enough difference here that it, it's, it's not really worth it? So, so I, I, I like that. And as you, as we kind of said earlier, leading with questions, right? So, right. so you have those stories and examples, but then, you know, you still pivot to, to the questions you ask along the way. So. Well, and I think it's important for people to understand experiences come from anywhere. It's not just 
work, right? And so mm -hmm. maybe you lead the Rotary Club. Maybe you are, you know, a coach for a baseball team. Like there's, there's different experiences we get in life. And I say one of my biggest ahas, to be honest, when I moved from uh, the engineering side to the marketing side in a junior level product development role, and I started working very closely with the sales organization, I realized selling appliances is very similar to the childhood business I had of selling pumpkins, where we had prices from 25 cents, 50 cents, $75, dollar fifty. Someone always came and said, I want the biggest pumpkin. That one I always marked $3. That one sold. I found the next one marked at $3. Like I learned so much between the ages of five and 18 from this little business, including saving money. I would, you know, we'd put $500 that we earned in the bank and we'd go spend $30. We'd pay my dad's for the seeds and the gas for the tractor. Like all these kind of business elements I naturally acquired without really realizing it. Then when I'm in the real world, all of a sudden, oh, this is like selling pumpkins. I got this, right? It sounds so silly, but those life lessons really can make a difference. So helping people understand, like your experience comes from everywhere, use it. But if you don't have experience, learn from someone who does. Yeah, fantastic. I, I love drawing in soccer analogies, especially from my my coaching soccer experience, because I, I did it for a very long time. And and uh and and yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them apply, right? They help illustrate a point or uh, make a connection to something. So um so let me uh let me uh, uh just ask one one last question. Uh we, we talked a lot about different things you do with sort of individuals, and, and a lot of the times you talk through that, you sort of uh I don't want to say pivot, but you you invoke the team, um, working with a team. So when you are working with a team in a more collaborative problem solving environment, how do you how do you assess and how do you leverage the the different skills that a team brings together? Not easy, much like soccer. Right? So you've got to figure out who can you count on to help drive things forward, who can help you from going too fast, right, and is going to be. But who's going to lean in, really be a, an active participant? Um, who's going to bring value to the table? And who's more in a learning mode? And hopefully everybody gets value out of it. But kind of understanding who's going to lead the way, who's going to lag, who's unfortunately not going to add value, and, and how do you manage that piece of it? And also, there's people who get it right away, again, based on their experience, um, IQ, whatever it is. There's others who are not going to get there as quickly. And how do you make sure that you're creating followership across the spectrum to the extent possible so that the full team can add value and jump into this? So trying to make sure you're not appealing to one or two, they're going to lead the way and you move on. But making sure the the full team is is on board is it's not the easiest thing to do, but I, I think it's important. Yeah, so you you, you don't want to let the uh, uh, the the lead runner, you know, uh, leave the pack. You don't want to let your slowest uh, runner, you know, drag the team back. Uh, so the problem and the progress and the momentum, to use a word we've talked about before, all matters while trying to trying to keep that pack at some level of together as they go forward. That's uh, really interesting. So. Uh, so I really appreciate it. Uh, you sharing your experiences, your perspective, uh, your views on on problem solving. Um, 
the whole point of this podcast is learning learning from others and uh, i think if people can uh, relate to your perspective or pick up one one idea one tip one perspective uh, tremendously valuable so i really help hope uh folks that gave this a listen uh, listen hard to your uh, your depth and uh really uh, reflections on your problem solving so thank you pam thank you very much appreciate it great be well thank you thanks for listening to the people solve problems podcast Let's keep the conversation going. Visit jflinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.